Hello, I'm Jeremy McMahon, meditation teacher, Tibetan Buddhist scholar, and audio engineer. And welcome to Meditating with Friends, a podcast where we explore meditation through friendly conversation. Each episode includes a guided meditation that you are invited to join. If you enjoy this podcast and are interested in working with me one-on-one to help deepen your meditation practice, check out my website, jeremymcmindfulness.com. Now, enjoy the show. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Meditating with Friends. It is your friend, Jeremy McMindfulness, uh, and I'm super excited about this one. This week, we are talking to my good friend, Tom Barnes. Uh, he is the head of product, head of product at Frame.media. Uh, if you haven't heard of Frame, um, they're really fantastic news and kind of documentary website they really give you a really immersive experience into stories generally focusing on individuals and uh really something that i think is needed uh in today's news consumption you know it kind of forces you to do deep dives rather than just like skim articles uh so tom will talk about it later in the podcast so i won't seal this thunder but if you haven't checked out frame media you definitely got to it's super super cool uh, so we discuss his work at Frame. Uh, we also discuss uh, how New York beaches are awesome. A uh, little known fact, New York City has some great beaches. Uh, and so we talk about the vibe of that. Uh, we also discuss the importance of vows, uh, particularly vows in Buddhism. And then also uh, this, this idea of renunciation and how oftentimes we think of renunciation with very like specific kind of hardcore uh, ideals, Um, but really you can incorporate renunciation into your life um, pretty easily, actually. Every time you meditate, you are renouncing. So yeah, it's a really fantastic episode. Stick around. Uh, I'm going to say that this week, what was I most grateful for? My gratitude was for going to Bossa Nova Civic Club uh, in Bushwick uh, in Brooklyn. It's a techno club, like house club i saw one of my favorite musicians ever uh mike simonetti dj there and it was one of the last things i had i had actually done before the lockdown and it was something i was dreaming of doing all of lockdown so i finally got to do it it was it was amazing uh danced for like three three to four hours straight something like that but yeah it was a good time so that is really my uh what I'm grateful for this week. So stick around, check out the episode. Again, really fantastic conversation and uh, hope you enjoy. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Meditating with Friends. It is your friend, Jeremy McMindfulness, here with my friend, and will soon be your friend as well, <laughs> uh, Tom Barnes. Uh, hi, everyone. Hi, Tom. How are you doing today? Oh, pretty good, man. Cannot complain. Pretty uh, bleak Monday, but I made the most of it. Yeah, I mean, it's been <laughs> it's been like the grossest day ever. I mean, it's just been like what in like the high eighties and just like dark and humid and 
we're waiting for it, the rain to break. And it's just one of those things where it's just like the rain is just not coming. It's just, yeah. just gross. But I did, I did, uh, spend some time up on the roof and got, got a little sunshine today. That's good. That's good. And, uh, how, how's your sunburn been since? <laughs> oh, it's kind of already, man. My sunburn converts pretty quick. Um, it's already looking pretty tan. Uh, well, yeah, well, that's what we want, baby. I mean, I can't uh, keep up with, you know, like the, the backstory of this is Jeremy took me to the beach and offered <laughs> me some of his ton, sun tanning oil. And I was woefully unpreparedred to be that low of an SPF, but, uh, but I survived. But yeah, you did it. I actually did order some higher SPF. Oh, for me? So <laughs> not not for no, not for you, for me. But yeah, sure, you can you could use some if you want. Uh next time. Well, yeah, next time we're at the beach, uh for yeah. sure. And uh yeah, I mean I've been going to the beach a lot and New York beaches are awesome. Uh I'm just gonna mm-hmm. go on the record for that. And the reason why they're awesome is that only locals go to the New York beaches. They got culture, man. It's one of the other few beaches that I've been to that has like, you know, it just transplants New York culture like into the water, which is really cool. Like most of the beaches, it's just like wherever you go, it's just a beach, you know? It's yeah. like it's, it's its own little beach culture, but New York beaches are distinctly New York, which is like, I, I you know, maybe I'm not well versed enough in the beaches around this country, but, you know, the only one that, like, that has as much personality in my mind is like, uh, you know, Venice Beach. Yeah, yeah. But that they like they went overboard trying to make sure that they created that culture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I can tell you from experience. I mean, in Virginia Beach, it's like, yeah, it's like this very generic beach culture, and it's like I, I've often described it um, as being like conservative California <laughs> because it's like there is like I the can whole. See that. Like the beach, like, you know, oh, yeah, we're like beach people. Like we take it easy, you know, but we vote Republican and we love the military. You know? like, <laughs> like, like, so it's it's a kind of a weird dynamic, but there is like kind of no. I mean, maybe some people will get upset with me. I mean, there is a Virginia beach culture, but it's like. There's a reason why I moved to New York, you know, like, yeah. it's, probably, it's just beach culture, you know, I mean, beach culture is pretty pretty nice in of itself you know colorful umbrelas and yeah got, got patterned shorts or whatever but you know yeah it's got an extra flavor and extra spiciness up here yeah yeah it's true and uh you know we got nutcrackers uh, yes, yes. <laughs> and i don't know if anywhere else has nutcrackers uh tom would you want to would you care to explain to the people uh what a nutcracker is you know i have done this before because and it shocked me because like you know nutcrackers are such a you know just in such a sacred and holy thing and like the fact that somebody would just not know what that is at all yeah. it's just like it's kind of a, it's unfortunate man but you know yeah. such is life but it's basically a uh, trash gin stuffed into like the cheapest possible bottles that you can get in bulk uh you know you mix like basically <laughs> essence is like a flavoring most likely kool-aid powder mixed with a bunch of bathtub gin and uh you sell it basically frozen Mm-hmm. And it's delightful. It's, you know, it's like it's it's this burst of refreshment and, you know, sort of tropical flavor in your mouth. I'm like, right yeah. when you need it most. Uh, yeah. They always tend to, like, the dudes who are selling them always tend to show up right when you need it. Yeah, it's, it's really like um, a kind of magical experience, you know. You'll be... You'll be peak sun of the day, you know. You'll, you'll be like, oh, I don't know, maybe I got to get out of the sun. I don't have any cold beverages, and then all of a sudden, a wonderful, a wonderful human being will come 
carrying a cooler and be like, nutcrackers, nutcrackers. <laughs> and you'll be like, yeah, right over here, buddy. And they'll come and bring you. Uh, and these bottles are sealed, too. That's the thing that always gets me is they're like sealed uh, bottles of this Kool-Aid and bathtub gin. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, you get one and they're they're just like the most refreshing thing you could possibly imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had some like, you know, sort of, maybe this is a glimpse that just like, you know, it's kind of a, an offshoot of the larger New York gentrification con- uh, conversation. But I had mm-hmm. like the most, the bougiest nutcrackers that I ever had in my life. The last time I went to the beach, oh, yeah. um, had like actual chopped up little bits of mango and there would look like something like a little bit of like iced tea, maybe some kind of like coloring that you cannot get from Kool-Aid, <laughs> which suggested the presence of fruit juice. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I mean, it was delicious, very pricey, but yeah, uh, yeah. it was sold to me by a, a woman wearing on nothing but nipple pasties. And so <laughs> you know, it, was, it was all good. It was really nice. Yeah. That's the other thing about New York beaches is that uh, you can go topless. Mm. Yeah. So <laughs> it's yeah. a good time. It's that's a good great. time. And I actually have led one meditation out on the beach yeah i was about to say man meditating with friends field trip yeah i know right i should i should do like a group meditation on the beach or maybe next time we go we could we'll just put that into our beach schedule is uh some meditation because it is really like a special place to meditate (laughs) and Mm. an easy place to meditate i find because it's so i mean it just took me a long time to realize like you know, we well, we were joking about like how you know the beach is a is a hell of a drug, you know. Like, <laughs> but is. I think, but I think the reason why it's so uh, it is a hell of a drug is because it's just it's so overpowering to the senses, you know. Mm. I mean, yeah, like we were most also like if you like just looked at our beach day, like you know, we we were talking some of the time, but there was also large periods where we were just like staring out and watching the waves and yeah. just kind of, like all sort of like you know sitting there with the thoughts or lack thereof like you know really wasn't thinking much for, for yeah. large stretches of that day yeah enjoying the sun and i i thought about that too and like you know i just wanted to say that i appreciate you know that i can do that you know with with you and and larissa uh and uh you know that we could just sit there in silence and just be like yeah <laughs> you know yeah. <laughs> And I've been trying just in general to be like more comfortable with that myself, you know, because I do feel like particularly in our culture, like, ever, you know, silence, if there's silence between two people, it means like, you know, you're not having a good time, you know, and I'm like, mm-hmm. but now I'm like really questioning that. I'm like, why is that? You know, it's like that isn't really it's it's good to, you know, sure, conversations are fun, but it's like not like the be all end all of an experience, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I feel you, man. I mean, it's never been something that's bothered me too much, but I, and I, but I, I've had to kind of do the opposite. I've had to like sort of realize that, like you know, some people take the silence like the wrong way. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. You, sometimes you just gotta force yourself to think of something to say. Yeah, um, if yeah. you know, in certain situations, you need want to be making somebody comfortable, wanting to make sure somebody feels welcome. You know, other people yeah. don't have the same relationship to silence that I think I do, and it's funny too because like I grew up in a house in which. I think somehow both me and my sister kind of got different ideas of the value of silence. Like it seems, mm. you know, I'm not trying to throw Miss DB under the bus, but you know, <laughs> she seems to be a little more uncomfortable with it mm. or like a sign that like, you know, 
things, relationships in the family are deteriorating or like, you know, we can no longer talk to one another, but it's, uh, you know, it's kind of like, do you just need to be talking all the, all the time though? You know, I don't know. It's, it's maybe it's just a, you know, difference between my dad and my mom or something like that, but he taught yeah. me the silence is okay. And my mom sort of taught the opposite. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting how these things get, you know, perpetuated in our culture and like even within, you know, a unit of an individual family, how you can have, you know, differences with that. But I guess, you know, that's one thing that I've learned through meditation, you know, of course is like, is, is that experience? Well, I like to put it in terms of like experiential, uh, knowledge, you know, or experiential experience, you know, it's like, like in a lot of ways, the mind chatter is just like a distraction from like the actual experience. And like, you know, that chatter can be amplified with two people. Right. And it's like, you know, the conversation again, not to say this is all the, always the case, but sometimes the conversation is really meant to be, you know, becomes a distraction from, mm you know, just the actual physical experience of being with another person, which I think has a lot of value to it. You know, um, you know, that's what I'm arguing here is that, you know, that that's ultimately what is most valuable is, you know, sitting and actually physically being with a person rather than, you know, having a, a great conversation or like, or rather having like a forced conversation. Yeah. I mean, it always, you find also that, you know, that sort of parallel of like, you know, the thing people always talk about where it's just like, you know, you're just waiting for yourself to like, we're waiting for your, your turn to say the next thing. Oh yeah. Like I find that that's just like so detrimental to like genuine conversation. Oh yeah. When you try to force it, it happens way more often. Yeah. Totally. Sort of footing you got off on. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, I totally feel that. Like you're like, Oh wait, you, I, I got to get my two cents in too. You know, like, and, and then you're not listening, you're not present. It's, it's the worst. Yeah. And of course, you know, meditation, that's what it's all about. It's all about being present and being, you know, and listening. And it's such a strange thing to do. Uh, I feel, and like, I, you know, I always struggle with this in terms of my own just meditation practice of like when I sit down and like, you know, it's like, well, I could be doing the dishes. I could be doing laundry. I could be like, you know, uh, responding to people that I need to respond to. Like I could be doing anything productive, but it's like, Nope, I'm not going to do any of that. I'm just going to sit here for 20 minutes and see how my body feels. And it, it really is kind of like the most counterintuitive thing to do. Again, maybe particularly in our, you know, in capitalist culture of where production is everything, you know. Right. Um, <laughs> And I also like to think of it as like, well, this is something from my meditation teacher, you know, also named Tom. Uh, and, uh, you know, that just this, the act of meditating in and of itself is just like uh, an act of renunciation, you know. Mm. Renunciation of, of, of anything in particular or just... No, just general, like, I guess I, I think of it as like renunciation to all of that activity, all of like all of mm. the things that, you know, we tell ourselves that we should be doing to make ourselves feel worthwhile, you know, yeah. um, at least again, this, you know, I'm 
speaking from my own personal experience and kind of <laughs> I really like that. Yeah. Um, but just having, you know, just that renunciation, there's a certain power to the act of renunciation and not to say that you need to renounce things for forever. You know, it's like mm-hmm. you can renounce things for a time. And I think that's a misconception. A lot of people actually have about, um, vows um and particularly in buddhism any vow that you take you can like rescind you know you can you can give it up like you know again like our culture we always like a vow is like you never break a vow but in buddhism it's like you can always let go of a vow um it's bad if you break the vow before you let it go, <laughs> you know, but it's pretty, you know, it's certainly common for, you know, people to take, you know, be, to become monks and take a vow of celibacy. Um, and, you know, later on, uh, you know, they give up their vow and they get married, you know? That's really interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, again, my, my meditation teacher was a monk um and uh met his wife at a zen monastery and you know after a certain point they realized that they were in love with each other and uh you know they both renounced their celibacy vows and are now happily married so that's beautiful man my uncle had the same story so i guess you can do it in catholic catholic church he's still like a devout catholic oh really but he uh he was on the you know on the on the path to be a priest you know whatever a pastor oh wow i didn't know that yeah and then he met like basically he was recommended this because he started having doubts he's recommended this by his his father or whatever the head of his order uh, mm-hmm. you know it's basically just like you know, I, I, you know he went to him to talk and it's like just you know you have to make sure you know some of the like I think, you know, I think he said something along the lines of like some of the worst, uh, you know, some of the worst things that happen within our church happen because people are not sure and they take these vows lightly. Right. Um, Which, you know, we kind of can very plainly see. Perhaps that was what he was alluding to. Yeah. yeah, Um, yeah. (laughs) Anyways, he like you sort of had met his, my aunt on the beach randomly and just like basically called her up. He's like, I want to see you again. (laughs) You know, (laughs) went on some dates and slowly realized that he couldn't go through with it. And, uh, you know, they, they got married shortly thereafter. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, you know, know thyself, right? Yeah. I wonder, you know, I haven't really talked to him about how his, like, relationship to the church changed after that. You know, whether or not it took him a while to come back or whether he was just like, all right, sweet, I'm not going to be a pastor, but I'll just do as much as I can. Yeah. Kind of feels, it's a lot to go from zero to, you know, sort of like from 100 to zero in this case. Um, Yeah. It'd be an interesting thing to hear your your meditation teacher talk about it as well. Yeah, I mean, it is, uh, it, it is pretty interesting. I mean, it wasn't pretty interesting to hear him talk about it. And like, yeah, because he had been a monk for like 14 years, you know, and mm. so it was like a long, wow. long time. Um, but, you know, I don't know, he also just didn't really make a big deal about it. He just kind of like told me about it. And he was just like, you know, just very matter of factly was just like, you know, we realized it. And, uh, you know, it was just a little tough to, you know, have to break it, break the, you know, the connection, but, you know, we did it and, you know, that we, <laughs> the, the thing that he was, he was like, he's like, well, the next thing we needed to figure out was how we were going to make some money, <laughs> you know, like how, how are we going to actually like, you know, cause we'd been living and supported by, you know, uh, by the Buddhist monastic system for so long. And so. Mm-hmm. They, they both decided they're like, well, we're going to go to law school. 
and so they both so they both got law degrees and now they're both lawyers and that's like how they make their money (laughs) (laughs) what kind of law do they practice that's such an interesting combination uh i i don't know specifically what law tom i know it's some like international law and like that's why he's like in the it comes to new york he actually like lives in canada and then like he's a pilot too i mean he's like you know most interesting man alive (laughs) but he like he like flies to new york every week uh you know in his in his own plane uh and you know spends a few days here and then you know spends the rest of its time in in canada that's that's a life yeah (laughs) it's 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 it's, tom's the man you know he's 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 great and i i mean it's he's just been so uh invaluable to me in terms of uh you know really pushing me to you know take my meditation practice seriously and i mean the thing that really pushed me to do it was because we'd meet up and you know i'd ask i'd have questions about him or about buddhism for him and he would just get you know we would spend as long as i wanted like hours like just going like ham on some uh, on some like esoteric shit and you know it's just like oh this guy is like putting he's not asking anything of me and he's like putting in all this time to like you know to enhance my knowledge and like i need to honor this somehow you know like mm-hmm. so i'm gonna i'm gonna meditate you know like he's telling me he's giving me these meditation instructions like i gotta i gotta put them to use and so uh yeah having that relationship i say like that is when i really started to like i'd meditated on and off before uh for sure and for fair long periods of time too um but i feel like that moment you know, and having that relationship was like the, really the crux that pushed me to be like, all right, now this is a thing I'm doing for the rest of my life. Yeah. When was that? Uh, I'd say it's around 2016. So okay. it was funny, like right before Trump got elected or a little before that. <laughs> yeah. So it's just like funny that I got into it. Um, and also the big thing, too, is like that was when the Rubin uh, started its meditation program that I was involved in. And that honestly really helped because I'd go to all the programs. And I mean, I was seeing these great teachers like, you know, Sharon Salzberg is like, you know, one of the top, uh, you know, meditation teachers uh, in this country uh and like tracy cochran and uh one of my personal meditation teachers kimber kimberly brown um so i was seeing them again and again and again like teach and then also it's just like i had a weekly meditation that i was going to so also when i like kind of fell off you know um you know, missed a day or two, you know, particularly coming out of the weekend, I seem to always like miss a day of meditation. Uh, um, but you know, coming back to, you know, having that weekly group community session, you know, like, all right, you know, reset, boom, we're back. And another thing that like Tom, uh, said to me that really, that I think about all the time was like, He was like, the first step in your spiritual practice is, uh, or when you know you've made like the very first step uh, in your spiritual practice is the moment when you've like missed your meditation 
uh, mm. but you know that you're going to do it again. Like it, the next day you're like, I'm going to get back on the horse, you know? And so like <laughs> that for me is a, a big thing. Cause like what I used to happen to me was like, you know, I'd meditate for like every day for like six weeks and then I'd miss a day. And then I was just like, Psh, you know, I wouldn't meditate again for like another year. I do know that feeling. Yeah, I'm yeah. struggling with that as well. Yeah. So like just this to be like, it's okay. You miss a day. You got tomorrow. Just do it tomorrow. You know, like don't, don't make it such a big deal. Cause like, I mean, a lot of people do. And I mean, I emphasize too, with like, uh, when I'm teaching, you know, the goal is to meditate every day, you mm-hmm. know, and that's something I certainly strive for. Um, but am I perfect at it? No. Like, you yeah. know, I do think that, yeah, I mean, that, that same thing stretches to so many aspects. This idea that like, if you don't pick up something and you're not amazing at it, Oh, it's not, you know, it's, it's not your talent. You better find something else. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm of the mind that like, you know, sort of talent is, is earned talent is developed. Like, you know, I think some people are perhaps more naturally gifted towards things or not, but you sure. know, like if you're not perfect on it, you got to give yourself that for like that of the forgiveness and sort of, sort of understand that like the mind is adaptable and you know, like you're not just that one thing. You're not just that one guy that missed the meditation at one time. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, you have, you have to be able to see yourself in an evolving way, you know? Yeah, totally. And that's been an important lesson that, you know, I wish I learned earlier, frankly, you know, is that like, yeah, it's like everything, any skill takes time to develop. And it's always really funny to me when it's like, whenever anybody tells me that they're bad at meditating, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, everybody's bad at meditating. <laughs> like, like, I still think I suck at meditating, you know, like, and uh, I maybe, yeah, I shouldn't, maybe shouldn't say that if I'm trying to sell myself, but just to yeah, say, that part out but yeah, <laughs> no, but I also like, I want to be real too. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I still struggle with it, you know, but it's like, yeah. but with that being said, it's like, I have, I've had success with it and it's like, I've done it enough to know that it's worth doing. You know, like, and that's, that's something you can only really learn by doing it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So how's uh, your meditation practice going? Oh, it's, I mean, it's been better. I've been more regular than I have been these days. I think nowadays it's kind of like, it's, it's translated more into like kind of a very intentional sort of like. Um, I hate to call it a ritual, well, the stretch to call it a ritual, but like, you know, at the, at the end of the evening, sort of like a series of actions that I do every night to like clear my head to help me sleep. Hmm. Um, that is like, you know, something I do all the time, you know, every day without fail. Yeah. But as to like proper, like daytime meditations, um, tends to be like once, maybe once a week from good. Yeah. You I know. mean, and the other thing, it's like, it's better than nothing, you know, like it's better than nothing. It always is for sure. But yeah. I'm like, I'm off a period like right now where I can see myself getting better at it. I feel like I'm not doing it regularly enough where I can sort of tell the difference between sessions, you know, mm-hmm. like some days I'll sit down and I'll be like very present and I'll have like a really nice session and not, you know, sort of like think at all about the clock or, you know, any of that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. whereas like, you know, when I'm doing it regularly, I can sort of like, you know, like yesterday I was a little distracted by this, you know, like I can sort of like evolve, you know, sort of make adjustments in the moment. Right. And I like, you know, I really, that's what I get the most gratification from is like, is just like watching progress. I mean, it's, you know, yeah. 
feel like I'm just constantly trying to pick up new skills. And so like even and meditation and with other things, like just like that thrill mm-hmm. of just watching yourself start at infancy and sort of like, you know, add layers onto yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like just one of my favorite experiences period. But, um, lately my meditation has been more just like, you know, just kind of a reset, just sort of like a reminder of a lot of the principles that I try to live by on a day-to-day basis. And it's like, to me, it's like sitting down to meditate reminds me of like the way of living and the way of treating relating to other mm-hmm. people, the way of seeing myself move through the universe. Like it come, it brings with it like a worldview that I try to just tap back into and remind myself of. Mm. It's not like very active, you know, sort of like, I'm not like sort of like Mon- you know doing mantras and like repeating sort of like precepts to myself it's more just like it helps me you know just like put myself back in touch with the things that are important to me yeah um, like that's kind of what that's the most valuable takeaway that i've been experiencing lately rather than different things previously yeah so when you are doing meditation um are you like what are you doing are you focusing most, on your breath or yeah mostly focusing on the breath i'm actually a big fan also like in times that I'm uh, meditating more regularly of just like kind of focusing on the breath and just like letting my thoughts kind of just like pass through without judgment. I think just mm-hmm. like that, that, you know, not trying to like silence all the thoughts, but just trying to like watch the stream as it passes by. Right. Um, I've always been a big fan of that potentially more than I probably should have been. Cause it's not like really the point. The point is just to like, you know, sort of like let, you know, like, or at least the way that I think of it. Um, sometimes I just kind of like watch the things go and then that'll like, that'll spark. I use it as sort of like a creative tool to spark like either journaling afterwards or like poem, poem writing, just like mm-hmm. taking some of the little images that my mind has gotten fixed on. And then when I would periods where I would do them regularly, you, I would see certain patterns emerge. I would see certain like images or sort of like narratives pop back up. And then those would be things that I was just like, hmm, what's there? Like, you know, try to write around it and see what was there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, mostly breath, man, mostly breath. You know, I've done some of your meditations where you like try to do, you know, kind of like a little bit more of an external, like love sending, mm-hmm. love meditation. I, mm-hmm. you know, I do that. I like that one a lot too, but I don't really but, do that one as much. Yeah. I like do that the, over COVID. The, the meta meditations and things like that. Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, what you're basically describing, it sounds very much you know, you're essentially doing Vipassana meditation, you know, Mm. watching, watching the mind and trying not to get, you know, too attached to any one thought, you know, and just sort of like letting it pass through. And, uh, but I also think it's important with Vipassana too, to also recognize like the body stuff that's happening. Um, which I mean, I think people do anyway but it's just like with meditation everybody's just like the mind the mind the mind <laughs> you know like <laughs> i'm like no it's the mind and the body it's because they're the same damn thing <laughs> you know like yeah. um but i mean that sounds like sounds like a great practice and like uh you know even even with your ability i mean you seemingly like describe your ability to like you know you see one thought in particular and then you're like, Oh, okay. Like, or a narrative or like an image and sort of like focus on that for a while too. I mean, that's, that's saying that you've, you've built up a good level of concentration, uh, to be ordered to do that. So like, I think, I think you're doing pretty well, you know, I mean, maybe meditate a little more, but like, (laughs) do, do, uh, you know, you do you, I'm not, I'm going to love you no matter what. (laughs) Oh, I appreciate that. But thank you, doctor. I, I should, I should be doing it more. 
Um, and then, yeah, how, when you do meditate, how long do you generally do it? I usually do try to hit 10, maybe do 20, but yeah. 10 is kind of where I, you know, where I get to. It's kind of like I'll set sort of like a first alarm for, for 10. Mm-hmm. And then if I'm feeling like continuing, like I'll usually not set a second and just like continue sitting. And it ends up being around like, you know, I can sometimes do another 10. Cool. But more like the second time is a little bit more open-ended and I'll just like, you know, at a certain point it'll kind of, certain things will just start to like, you know, kind of like try to get me up. And then, yeah. you know, then I break. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, I think it's good that, you, that I've actually recommended that to uh, my to some other students um of mine that like yeah like i've met people or i've worked with people that are kind of adverse to the timer you know Mm -hmm. like and how it's like what and i i've experienced this myself too it's like you sort of get like obsessed with the timer like it becomes right like, like rely on it yeah and you're like uh or also just being like for me the thing is always like did i actually set the timer is it actually going? <laughs> you know, like is that thought popping yeah, yeah, back up in your yeah, brain? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I've, but I'm like, I think it's a helpful tool because I think it's in my personal meditation practice. When I meditate, I do like state. I take a vow of saying like I am going to meditate for this long, you know, um, mm. because that's the other thing about vows is that. Uh, you know, in a Buddhist sense, you get more merit or more positive karma if you take a vow to do something or to not do something than if you don't take the vow. So like, and I, it's, it's similar to like going to your yoga class and, you know, I, I mean, I always rolled my eyes at this shit, but like when, you know, the, the white lady is like, now we're all going to set our intention for our practice today. And I'm like, Oh God. But like, <laughs> I, it, but it is, I think there is power to setting like attention. And so like, that's what I do when I, uh, start the meditation is like, you know, before I even sit down to meditate, you know, I'm taking a vow to, you know, to do it for however long I'm going to do it for that day. And then also, you know, my intention, of course, is uh, I'm doing it for the benefit of all sentient beings. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do. So I think, you know, having a specific goal in mind is is helpful and powerful, but, you know, basically setting the timer and then being like, if I want to go longer, I can go longer. Like, I think that's a great, great strategy, you know? Um, and again, like for my students that don't like using the timer, that's what I was like, well, just like, just try it out, you know? And like, if you want to meditate for seven minutes, you know, like set it for three minutes and then, you know, uh, or just like set it for the bare minimum. And then like, you know, if you want to go longer, go longer, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I like that, man. No, this thing about vows, I like, I'm writing like little, little kind of notes and drawing pictures as we're talking. And I like, you know, it almost seems to me like you, you were saying about like the karmic value of a vow fulfilled and what mm-hmm. you were saying before about how like, it's totally, totally okay to be breaking vows, you know, in Buddhism, like mm-hmm. those two things together, is such an interesting character to the way they conceive of like what a vow is. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think it's the important thing I think is it's, you know, it's an action. It's like, you're doing something very specific, you know, it's like, it's a, yeah, intentional. I, yeah. It's, it's, it's intentional. And if you, you know, 
are about to realize, well, this vow isn't serving me anymore. You know, I can renounce it before I break it technically, you know, like mm -hmm. that's the thing. If you renounce it, then you're not actually breaking the vow, you know? Like, right. I mean, but it's just like, you know, it gets me thinking also about like what, like other common vows in our culture. It's just like the people that I think of like immediately that come to mind when I think of like, all right, who are people that their profession requires them to take vows? You got police, mm -hmm. you got uh, Catholic priests mm -hmm. and politicians yeah. Uh, those are like the ones that come to mind immediately. And like, those are like, basically that's what we're fixating on most of our t like attention as a culture because these people are abusing the power mm. that comes with that vow. Mm. It's like, it's almost like it potentially strikes me that like if these vows were sort of, we conceived them in a different way, potentially a little bit more of a Buddhist way that we would have a healthier relationship to that, to the vow, to the responsibilities that come with these roles. Yeah. But, I'm also wondering too, like semantically, like, I mean, I, sh I need to look, I don't know what the actual like word for vow in, in Pali is and like what that actual root is like compared to like the word vow in, you know, in, in, in the English language. Mm -hmm. um, also that what com comes to mind too is like the Hippocratic oath. And now I'm like, what's yeah. the difference between a vow and an oath, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but yeah, just Buddhism, I mean, just in terms of like, you know, Buddhist, uh, Western Buddhist scholarship, they always, they're always like saying vows. So that's just generally the word that I've used, but you know. Yeah. Is there a difference? Maybe the things, maybe all the things that I was just saying are oaths too. You know, no, no, yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, I guess the Catholic, Catholic's definitely a vow. Maybe it's only a religious oath is a vow. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Jamie, can you look that up? Uh, no. <laughs> Wait, I gotta do it. Oath versus vow. Yeah, there's nothing here, man. There here. is a I'm getting that difference. feeling right here, like you know, when you sort of stumble onto a new idea, and like you know, like I, I always get this thing when like it, I guess it's kind of like part of like oh, they're not meditative practices, but creative practices. Like you know, this right here, like I'm, there's like hmm, there's something that I need to unpack in this idea here and mm -hmm. explore more deeply. Yeah, I mean, that's you know, that's what you know, a good skill for meditation, right. Or a good point for meditation is like, you know, your ability to, to explore things. Um, but yeah, I looked it up and it says there is a distinct difference, however, between an oath and a vow. A vow is merely a personal promise, whereas an oath is a promise made before some institutional authority. Oath serves as objective guarantees of what is promised. Swearing to tell the truth, one guarantees that what one says is true. So, okay. um, so that's the that's the difference between the two. I mean, yeah. So I guess that and that makes me wonder too, because it's like you know, if you do take a a vow of celibacy in Buddhism, it's, it is like through, um, you know, it is through an institution. It's like, you're doing it like, you know, with a, within the, within a monastery. So I, yeah, right. I don't know. I don't know. It's but a fine it, line. It seems, I guess maybe then that's what it comes down to is that like, you know, in the sort of professions that I'm talking about, you know, where we experience some of the grossest abuses of power in mm -hmm. our modern world, like maybe mm -hmm. there needs to be more vow making as well as oath making. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Know, I mean, maybe cause they're in this kind of definition that I read, it's sort of like the oath is like, 
it's saying that the oath is more authority, you know, in a way, because it's like in front of it, you know, it's with an institution, but it's like, but maybe these people are taking oaths, not vows, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, you know, maybe it has more authority on paper, but like, you know, you're beholden to yourself at the end of the day. That's, yeah. you know, if, if ever, like, you know, if cops were thinking about, you know, they're God forsaken oath, like, you know, at every single moment of the day and that the, the, every single aspect of the behavior tailored to it, then mm-hmm. you know, we wouldn't have the problems that we have right now in the country. There's also, yeah, also in the monastery too, they do like every month they recite, they like retake all their vows you know, and Mm. they even have a session where it's like, if you, you know, basically have, um, a chance to like confess your vows, um, or or confess like, you know, the vows that you've broken, like if you've broken any vows. Mm. Um, so I think having that kind of be like a constant reminder to like an active thing that you constantly, you know, every month reminding yourself of and also making it an action of like taking these vows again like you know yeah kind of reinvigorates the power of them yeah that that's to be so necessary like just this idea that you can do something once and then it's like all right cool i'll you know i'll live by it forever and, you know yeah. it's kind of like yeah, it doesn't seem to me like actually like doesn't jive with the human experience at all and yet no. we just like to think that it does yeah i mean i think that's Cause I've, I've found myself in this trap too, where I'm like, I'm like, I know everything about Buddhism. Like, I don't need to hear the life story of the Buddha again. Like, you know, uh, <laughs> and there's so much value in just like, like there's, yeah, there's putting so, yourself back through the motion. You know? Totally. Again. Totally. Uh, you know, beginner's mind and all that, but like, yeah. but also just like approaching things at different angles, you know, cause like, you know, one person is going to tell the Buddha story in a way that uh is you know completely different than you know somebody else like and so they're gonna have a different they're gonna emphasize different points and uh yeah just tell you know it's gonna be the same story but it's gonna have their own flair to it and so like Mm -hmm. so that's why it's valuable to like hear different teachers like talk about the same topic you know because they're gonna have different takes on it I like that. Yeah. And also like how, yeah, just the Buddhism in particular and meditation is so experiential that like, you know, like enlightenment is beyond words. Like everybody knows that. And so like, Mm. (laughs) um, no one's going to be able to fully describe it. And so again, it's like every time you hear like a different teacher talk about it or, you know, hint at it, like, you know, it's all going to be like a different facet of that or a different angle. It's never going to be the complete picture, you know? Mm, Um, but, but, but sometimes, and it's like, you know, to get mystical about it, if you have like a really good karmic connection with your teacher or with that teacher, that teacher is going to know exactly how to put it so that, it will make you, you know, do what you need to do to become enlightened, basically. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's like, I think it's just always good to have, particularly with meditation and I mean, with whatever too, even just other practices that we have. I mean, we haven't even really talked about, you know, you playing music at all. Um, But, you know, us playing music, it's like, it is good to kind of go back and revisit the basics, you know, and remind ourselves of, of the fundamentals. Indeed. 
yeah. rudiments, all that. I mean, yeah, drummers, like, it's kind of baked into, it's baked into every single aspect of love the practice. Yeah. Yeah. I would hope that other instruments are, are do, do the same. Well, I mean, I think, too, like, you know, the best drum beats are often just, like, the simplest, right? True that, yeah. And, Very you true. know, fighting that tendency to make things overcomplicated and uh yeah i've definitely found that yeah with or like yeah or like sort of kind of to to crib on your sort of like the um the different ways to express an indescribable thing is it's like you know the most powerful might be the most basic but the second most powerful is like taking that basic and maybe changing like one thing about it Mm. You know, sort of like drawing somebody's expectations about like the standard and then just like, you know, getting that slight element of surprise. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, I would like, I'd like to think that there's always a little bit of that surprise. Well, at least like, you know, I mean, it's, it's core to Zen, but just like that sort of like, you think you know this idea, you're with me, you're with me, like, crap, you have no idea what that, you have no idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And in there, I mean, there's so much power. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally, dude. Um, well, I did actually, you know, I did want you to talk a little bit about um, what you do, um, particularly with uh, your company, Frame. Um, mm-hmm. And so maybe we Where's should... Mindfulness there for sure. Yeah. I do, yeah, do my maybe, introduction. Yeah. Tell, tell the people about Frame and what it is and yeah. how, how amazing it is. Oh, well, appreciate that. Um, yeah. Frame is so like, I guess... So I, I'm, a, I'm the head of product over at Frame. That's Ooh. a company that I started <laughs> with one uh, Boy, what a product. Boy, what a product, indeed. I'm the head. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, like a small sort of interactive documentary company that I started with one um, friend from, from Mike. You know, we both were journalists there. He mm-hmm. was in the video department. Mm-hmm. I was the music editor. He wrote some like odd occasional takes on like he, he's making it's like kind of like odd like kind of very twee and sort of like calming folk and he wrote a couple of al- al- like album reviews about some stuff for me and i, mm-hmm. I ran the stuff because like yeah his heart was in the right place um <laughs> and then we like you know i was kind of i found myself after that job and after another stint um just kind of like looking at like where i wanted to what I wanted to do with my life and like, you know, was this going to be the rat race? Was this like journalism rat race or just like the art every like day, a new, new article going to be like the rest of my life. And I sort of like refuted that it didn't, it didn't feel right to me. And so I started to think about how else I could, you know, sort of like take the experiences and skills that I had already accumulated and direct them into something that potentially felt more meaningful. And at the same time I found Ben who was also like seeking, you know, at that time as well. And mm-hmm. he had this idea for, frame which was to basically take a lot of you know sort of we both worked at mike.com which was like you know the sort of the vanguard of like the new digital media mm-hmm. basically the you know one of the co-founders of clickbait you know, mm-hmm. like they yeah. like perfected clickbait down to like a absolute analytical science uh-huh. and so many other people were taking the lead at that point that was just like that early you know sort of like or i guess late o's journalism mm-hmm. um you know late o's late tens mm-hmm. or early tens um Anyways, like, you know, we were all kind of meditating on that experience and not meditating literally, but, you know, talking about it, um, yeah. ruminating on that experience, perhaps uh-huh. is a better word. And sort of just like he had this vision of how to like take, take the sort of like the high points and try to cut out a little bit of that, like the low end friction and the low end sort of like the, um, you know, all those aspects that felt so fucking 
facile and, you know, sort of like meaningless that were just kind of like part of that structure. And we just sort of like slowly built frame out of that. And, you know, what the principles we try to live by, we just, we release short documentaries, Mm -hmm. um, kind of things that you, you know, can just like pick up your phone and, you know, kind of consume in a single sitting comfortably. And we try to make it like a really meditative experience. Like it's Mm -hmm. kind of, there is a deep element of like, we like to call it radical empathy. Like a Mm. successful doc for us is something that really brings you close to someone who you might not have met and not have understood the like rich depth of their experience. Had you not taken the time to sit down Mm -hmm. and talk to them or in this case, like listen. Yeah. Um, and so we try to put that person front and center. Like we put like, you know, we start, we have a narrator sort of like she starts us off, like kind of sets the scene and then like, boom, we put you face to face as if you're like having a FaceTime call with this person. Uh, mm -hmm. And these people's stories are, you know, they're related to some of the biggest issues that we're facing right now. And we tried to just get like a first person view of, of things like climate change. Talk to a woman who lives uh, in a native, like an Indian tribe, um, down in sort of South Louisiana, who's mm. the island. They're basically pushed there by the in- Indian Relocation Act. Mm-hmm. And now this island is like at the absolute forefront of climate change and is like being constantly eaten away at every single year. Yeah. And she's leading this like, you know, sort of charge to try to like get some reconciliation from the government and move that tribe inland. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, we just, you know, like basically just kind of give her the mic. She tells the story about growing up out there. She tells the story about the early like efforts to try to like create tribal solidarity around this idea. Cause like so much of the tribe's identity is also tied to the specific piece of land and right. this land is disappearing. And so to just like have to hear her talk about those early meetings where she'd have to like kind of, I mean, the people in the Island knew they would see it. Like they would just like, they would go out to go fish and they realized like, Oh wow coast was over there like last month yeah um and but you know to like try to you know like getting into those intangibles like we try to leave space as much as possible for these like you know very human moments where it's just like you know the eureka moments that happens when a community comes to talk about what's important to them stuff that you kind of gloss over in you know a more traditional documentary format or like an article that's just sort of like really just trying to get at the big picture big picture all the time or like you know the different ways that people are skewing and or interpreting the data you know we have like all these interactive features that get into the data and get you comfortable with the like get you comfortable with the issue and how understand how this one story fits into a larger whole but i think there's some power in just like making sure that the human is like front like front and center at all times and that's kind of like the philosophy that, that goes through it all and then you know like we make sure that it has like you know, we create custom scores for each thing. So there's like, you know, an element of like beauty and meditative, like kind of intentionality that we try to like get people in touch with as they like sort of go from moment to moment in the piece. Mm. But, um, yeah, that's the vibe. And it's like, it's kind of, it's been an amazing ride so far. We've been doing it now for like two years. Yeah. Started in March, 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, a little over two years old now. That's awesome, dude. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's like, it's just, it's, it's an amazing feeling to just like, you know, sort of like reach out, like, you know, sort of get journalists who like see the format and immediately recognize what's special about it. Getting people who, you know, sort of like are not familiar with the forum, mm-hmm. sit down and watch their first one and just have like, I cannot believe that I had not heard about this thing before. Yeah. You know, we're still very small in terms of like our reach, but mm-hmm. you know, like every single person that comes in the door, like there's like sort of an enthusiasm and they feel like this space is like 
tailored towards them. It's like, oh my god, I feel like I feel like I'm home yeah. when I come in. People talk about being in like a first a physical space when they watch your stuff. So like that's that's super gratifying to me. Yeah, um, that's and awesome. yeah. I mean, it's you know. Obviously, getting there, I had to learn a whole bunch of things about like coding and you know, sort of like how to build an app and like how to you know, I, I wasn't a documentary filmmaker, so I had to learn a ton about documentaries and stuff mm, like that. You know, like yeah. it hasn't been easy, and, mm-hmm. but like it's those moments like that where you like realize that you wrote shit, like you know, you touch somebody's life, and like it wasn't you being paid to touch that person's life because you're part of this larger silo. It was like you know, like that experience would not have happened if it wasn't for the choices that I made. You yeah. know, all those late nights at the beginning. Yeah. You know, that's just an incredible feeling. Yeah, dude, that's really inspiring. And like, I just, it seems like what you're offering is very much like, uh, kind of like, uh, you know, a a much healthier alternative for like consuming news media. You know, I think, I think adding that personal touch and like, you know, focusing, I guess being cynical, you could be like, well, if you're focusing on one person, you're only like, getting that one person's perspective but i feel there's value in in spending time and going depth with one thing whether it's like one person or one topic and uh yeah so i think i think what you're doing is is really great and again like offering people this kind of deeper a really deeper richer experience because like i've i fucking like you know when i'm on reddit it's like i don't like I hardly ever read the articles that I see posted. And then if I do, I like barely read them, you know, I'm like read them for five seconds and I'm like, Oh yeah, that's my news intake for the day. But like having this sort of like deeper, yeah, more immersive sort of slower experience is, uh, I think, yeah, something that's really awesome and something that's really needed today. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like no wonder that, you know, that I think that the way that you describe your news consumption is like very common. I would say that's like the majority of Americans and like, it's no wonder why the news like constantly stresses us out and makes me, makes us feel like, you know, we're out of control or like that we don't understand like what's actually happening or like why people could think the things that they do. Right. Because like really, I mean, you know, journalists are trying their damn best, but I think like, it's there's there's a lot of things about the like delivery methods the ways that it gets from like the journalist's mind to your own where so much gets lost in translation there's so much about the platforms that like you know buffs out some of those things that i feel like are a little bit necessary to have like an authentic connection with something um you know with a topic with an issue with a person so you know i mean i think it's it's it is very much that it is very much like an alternative like hopefully like a way to potentially have your phone be more of like, you know, a tool of discovery rather than like a time suck and like a, a doom scrolling machine. Yeah. Um, you know, so like that's stuff that we're thinking about all the time. We're trying to like find new ways to sort of like channel that fidgety energy that we all have so much of right now. And especially mm-hmm. when we're relating to our phones, like how do you channel that into like intentional moments? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that, that a lot of that comes with like the interactive little like you know explainers and other little toys that I build for the thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's um, you know they like it's it's extremely tough because also I mean I think it's like people are so used to news coming that way that when they see our product as well, like some people get it and immediately appreciate it and they're like, yes, this is what we need more of. And then other people are just like, yeah, but why can't this be like? why can't this be like 30 seconds like why can't this be like a minute yeah and this is like you know there you 
you've come with a set of expectations about how, like what news should be and what you, what it should do. Mm -hmm. Um, and we're trying to subvert that in many ways. So like, I hope, I I think that like once, you know, it's a, it's a constant like sort of aspect of like fine tuning and, Mm -hmm. you know, like constantly trying to bring new people in, like, you know, kind of get the right minds behind the thing. But I do think that there's a way that this becomes like a sort of like well-known standard in the yeah. way that people like, you know, kind of hopefully relate to the world. Yeah. But you know, it's an uphill battle, man, every day, starting your own business, especially starting your own media company is it's not an easy thing. So yeah, you know, for sure. It's kind for of sure. like, it's like my own mindful practice is like helps helps is like probably the only thing that has made this possible for me to get to this point. <laughs> I would like, I, you know, fervently believe that like, had yeah. I not had like the sort of like faith and patience and like, you know, kind of focus that like mindfulness has given me like I would a hundred percent would have jumped off this ship like a long time ago like most like a lot of my friends have you know <laughs> yeah 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 for sure dude I mean yeah. yeah it's like that's why it's it's such a good life skill and uh also I'm wondering when when are we gonna start a band called doom scroll yo it's mm, yeah and like some kind of like hype hundred gex like sort yeah. of uh, gen c plus 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 yeah psycho yeah, babble yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that could be it can be our next project but um why don't we um well yeah everybody go check out frame you know meditate and then frame go check out media frame. everybody yeah or read read up on frame and then meditate um, but speaking of meditation, we should, we should meditate. Um, so I think today, well, do you have a preference breath or body scan, body scan or breath? You know, I could, I could do some breath. Do okay, some breath. All right. Let's do some, let's do some breath. We'll do about 10 minutes of the breath. And, uh, of course for all of you listening, you are invited to join us during the meditation session. Uh, if you are going to join us and just make sure that you are comfortably seated, either cross-legged on the ground or seated in a chair is just fine. Uh, just if you are seated in a chair, I would just make sure that your feet are firmly planted on the ground, not crossed or anything like that. And, you know, make sure that your back is straight, but not rigid. And you ready to go, Tom? I'm ready, man. All right. At the sound of the bell. We will begin. So now we will place our awareness on our breath. Just noticing how it feels to breathe right now in this moment. There's no need to breathe in any particular type of way. Just breathe how your body wants to breathe. And if a thought or feeling arises and you're no longer watching your breath, 
just recognize that you have been distracted. And bring your awareness back to the breath. And if memories from the past or plans for the future come up and distract you, again, just recognize that you have been distracted and place your awareness back on the breath.
And if any feelings or sensations come up, then you're no longer watching your breath. Again, just recognize that you've been distracted and bring your awareness back to the breath. And if you're no longer watching your breath, that is truly okay. Just recognize that you've been distracted and bring your awareness back to the breath.
right, in just a moment I will ring the bell, ending our meditation session. Once I ring the bell, I invite you to join me in a bow, dedicating all the merit that we've accrued today to the benefit of all sentient beings. How's it going? Good. Uh, I feel like we should have an hour conversation about meditation every time we meditate. Yeah, right. They help. <laughs> <laughs> they, they what? They help uh, help prep you for the session or something? Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was one of those. I felt like I could have just gone forever. Nice. That's what we want. And I mean, I think there is something to be said with meditating, you know, with people particularly, I mean, even if it is like, you know, virtually like we are right now, it's like, still think, you know, we sync up somehow, even, even if it is just on the astral plane or whatever. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, on the, the astral beach. The astral beach. Yeah. <laughs> no, no more astral planes. It's all about that astral, the great, the great cosmic beach. Um, yeah, dude, who wants to hang on the planes? Most boring biome. The planes are the worst. Um, <laughs> but anyway, thank you so much for meditating with me, Tom. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Man. I think this has been another another awesome conversation uh, with another awesome buddy of mine. And uh, any any final things you want to say to the people before we go? Any final plugs? Hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, check out check out Frame Media. Let me know what you think. You know, you can follow me on any of the social thingies. I'm sure there'd be like some kind of tag. Um, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll have all the links to your social stuff. Uh, you know, on my website and so that. nice. Um, yeah, you know, reach out. Let me know. Let me know how you think of it. Always trying to like get new new people. You know, thoughts, feedback. Trying to really tailor this to be as human as possible. It's for the world. It's for the benefit of all sentient beings, Jeremy. Yeah, so yeah. I need to hear from the sentient beings. <laughs> whether it's working or not you know all right you heard um, you heard that sentient beings go out there and check out uh frame frame.media right yes sir all right awesome and mm -hmm. uh check out hot knives as well we make yes. music yeah we, for that, we didn't talk too much about it but you know tom is the drummer for hot knives i had joe on the podcast uh you know a few episodes ago so their album making love to make music to make love to is out now uh so check I that out it's like this like jeremy winter sort of cinematic universe you got going over here uh, yeah it's like <laughs> <laughs> the character tom enters the sea yeah <laughs> he was only alluded to in episode one <laughs> yeah yeah i mean yeah you were you were alluded to it you know and then joe's like tommy was, was nailed it on the album blah 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 i'm joe uh but anyway <laughs> had had to had a few digs digs into joe you know can't can't not uh can't not complain about gotta Joe. keep that boy in the straight and narrow yeah, you know yeah of course but anyway uh everybody uh much love to you all uh stay mindful and uh we'll catch you next time mm -hmm. peace everyone right, bye this has been another episode of meditating with friends if you enjoyed this podcast and want to learn more about my meditation teachings and programs, check out my website, jeremymcmindfulness.com. 